Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership, financial freedom, and leaving a profound legacy for our children. Parents, are you working eight to six and scared of market crash, wondering how you'll fund retirement or college fees? Want to earn stable, cash-flowing, appreciating income? Well, we teach parents how to create a safe, personalized real estate portfolio, generate 10000 plus a month, one house at a time in 10 years or less, involve the children in creating wealth. So you can invest alone, but when the family's involved, you empower your kids to become financially literate and able to manage their own lives. And when you have a family business, you and your kids always have something to talk about. So wealth building brings families together, kids, teens, and parents. And we help because we find, acquire, renovate, and even manage the properties for you. So you get to build knowledge and wealth in as little as two hours a month. So schedule your Is Real Estate Right For Me educational call today. Go to my website at integrativeminds.com and there you'll be able to book an appointment time and even order one of my or all of my three books. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and syndicated on rethinkradio.org, oneideaway.com, and Arm Radio. Our guest today is a parenting specialist who has been serving families for over a decade. Besides being a mother of two, she also has a master's degree in clinical psychology, a a certification in positive discipline, and has provided services as an ADHD coach, in-home mentor, and therapist. Currently, she teaches parents hands-on tools for raising responsible, resilient, confident children and helping parents find the time and energy to incorporate all of these tools into their lives. It's my pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to introduce you to Rachel Bailey. Hi, Rachel. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me here. Oh, thank you. So you must really love what you do. Just reading from your bio that you must be really passionate. I absolutely am passionate about reducing the stress of parents, 100%, because I feel like we're in this society where everyone is feeling overwhelmed and overworked, and um, that impacts our kids, and I, so I want to make life easier for parents. Yes, I'm very passionate about that. Yeah, and I think it's so important because as parents, we maintain the level of energy stress in our family because our children are always going to feel stressed, especially when they're going through their school system. They're kind of looking to us for that guidance of where I should be. And if we maintain what we know, I think it's so helpful for them. It is incredibly helpful. Yeah, they're absolutely looking at us. And even when they're not looking at us, they sense us. Yes. So they can feel our energy, you know, whether we're anxious or calm or in control or not. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So before we get in some of the technical question, I just want to know a little bit about you in the sense of like, why is this so important to you? So I actually didn't start out in the field of psychology in helping parents. I was actually studying to be a neuropsychologist. That's what I wanted to do. I've always been really interested in the brain. And then what happened was I was in graduate school. I was getting my PhD and I got pregnant. 
So I couldn't do it all. I ended up stopping my PhD program, although it's eventually maybe I'll go back and get that. Um, but as I was, you know, working and figuring out what I wanted to do, I had done some time as a therapist and I had worked with a lot of, you know, improving behavior and things like that. But at some point I realized there was this need that parents had for the really practical stuff. Like there are a lot of therapists out there, there are a lot of counselors, but at the time when I began, there weren't a lot of people helping parents figure out how to raise kids who not only are, you know, behave well, but also who are resilient and can handle the fact that life isn't always going to go their way. And also kids who feel good about themselves. There's a lot of unhappy kids these days. So I figured I would stop, you know, doing going the traditional route. And I ended up just building a practice working with parents. And I, I do love it. Oh, good. I used to do the corporate stuff. I think you and I talked about this offline, mm -hmm. corporate uh, leadership. But then I felt like it's the home that we got to start with. Yes. All of these boss screaming at their employees, it all started at home somehow. So it starts with the parenting. I absolutely, obviously I'm biased, but I couldn't agree more. And that's why I left that field because I was like, gosh, if we get the parents, I found I have a bigger impact on a home if I work with the parents than with the kids. Absolutely. I feel like the kids already know it's us <laughs> that we got to get on the page. <laughs> that's so funny. In some ways, that's probably true. Or maybe a little of both. Yeah. Given that we're all so busy as parents, do you have any tips for making parents feel a little less exhausted? Absolutely. I think one of the things with parenting is that we are already, we have things outside of parenting as parents. We have a lot going on in our lives. And so we're often reacting to our kids. And when we are reacting to their behavior or to their, you know, last minute planning, whatever it is that's going on, we waste so much time and energy that it just creates this cycle where we're reactive and then we're more depleted. The kids sense that their behavior is negative. And then we're reacting and we get in this cycle. So one of the things I do, basically every parent that I work with is busy and overwhelmed when they come to me, is I start to help them understand kids' behavior and motivation and to start doing things more proactively and stop being so reactive, which takes a lot of energy, and do a few things proactively. And it just, it's amazing how much more time and energy parents have when they can set up a few things more proactively. So proactively, what's proactive parenting? So proactive parenting is where instead of responding to a child's behavior, let's say you ask them to put on their shoes five times because you have to get out of the house and then you get angry and you lose your cool because they're not listening to you. Proactive parenting is about thinking outside of that moment. Why isn't my child putting on their shoes or why are they speaking disrespectfully or why aren't they cleaning their room? Understanding the reason and giving them what they need to do what they're supposed to do in the first place. So you're not reacting once the behavior has already happened. That's reactive parenting. Proactive parenting is understanding those things that are causing problems in your home, finding the cause of those problems, and solving them ahead of time so you don't have to deal with them over and over. Obviously, in the moment, like if I'm trying to get, my kids are teenagers now, but I'm looking back when they were little, if I'm trying to get them get their shoes on and they're not, we got to get somewhere and it's we're running late. So you're saying we, I should deal with that before that moment comes? 100%. Especially, and, and then by the way, I work with parents of teens too. So it's just different. Obviously, yes. they're still lagging to get out of the house. Uh -huh. It's just usually the device or the, they won't get out of bed. I mean, it's different reasons, but it's all the same stuff. So, um, but yeah, ultimately it's about, if there's something that keeps happening over and over, like they're not getting their shoes on or they're doing projects late, whatever it is, recognizing those instances where you're spending a lot of energy and figuring out the why behind the behavior. Why are they doing that? Which is really where I'm an expert. I'm, a lot of parents don't usually start with an idea of why, 
that's where I come in because I can really explain why. And then once you figure out the reason, there's a solution and then you're not dealing with the same issue over and over. And then in the moment parenting. In the moment parenting is where you're actually responding. It's more of the reactive parenting. Okay, got it. Okay. So I call this, I have a podcast and I talk about this all the time on my podcast. We have band-aid parenting, which is really in the moment parenting. It's really just trying to get that behavior to stop. And often it's from our place of anger or frustration or annoyance. That's all in the moment parenting. And I call it band-aid parenting because you're constantly trying to put a band-aid on the situation rather than actually finding the solution to the problem. And when we're band-aid parenting, it just takes too much energy. When we're already depleted, it's a waste of time and energy. Okay. Okay. So as parents and technology, I think all the parents out there have the same problem as I do is they're on their phone. Correct. How do we proactive parent that to reduce all of that screen time? I love that. So you want to think about, first of all, why are they? Well, first you want to figure out proactively, what are your goals? What would you like if you'd like them to be on it less? That's the first thing. Then you want to figure out, well, why aren't they meeting that goal to begin with? And so what you want to understand is, Um, if so, because I was starting to be a neuropsychologist, I talk a lot about the brain. So if you don't set your home up with clear guidelines about when they're allowed to be on the device and when they're not, if you're not consistent with that, then they're going to be on them all the time. If you want them to be on them less, you actually need to have clear guidelines. Now for younger kids, what I say is you want to let them know when they're allowed to be on the screens up until about age seven or eight, you say, this is when you're allowed on the screens and you make that a consistent time. The more consistent you are, the less kids will resist and the less they'll crave it at other times. That's the way the brain works. If our brains get used to this is our device time, then they don't fight it all the time. Now with older kids like teenagers, I actually think it's really hard to say you can only be on it at this time. So what I say for parents of teenagers is have a consistent screen-free time for the entire family when they're not allowed to be on screens, be very consistent. And what it does is you teaches your child how to use that time wisely. And it also allows them to predict when they're not gonna be on screen so they can plan their homework time. It actually teaches them a lot of skills, but it also makes them you know, resist you less when you say, hey, it's not screen time. If you are consistent about it, they resist less. That's just the way the brain works. So that's one example of how we get kids off of screens. Okay, so you just block off a time, like maybe that's a family time, and then there's no screen time at that time. Correct. And the more consistent you are, the more their brains are going to get used to that and the more, the the less they're going to resist and the more they're going to plan for that. I actually had a mom very recently, like two weeks ago, tell me that she overheard her daughter who was 16 telling her friend, I'm not going to be able to talk to you at that time because we don't do screens at that time in our family. She was like, oh my gosh, I never thought my 16 year old would say that. After school, when they get home, should it be like the family time where we're having snacks or should I give them that time to just kind of be alone since they've been around so much, so many energies at school? Yes. I actually think after school they need to wind down, but winding down for kids looks different. It looks different for every child. Some need to connect with, with other people. Some need quiet. Some need physical releases. So it actually depends on the child, but generally I think after school is wind down time, whatever that looks like for them. Okay, what happens if you don't have time or energy as a parent to be this proactive? We're running around trying to figure out why they're doing what they do. Yeah, what you find is that being proactive actually saves you time and energy. We think that, I hear this, I mean, I have worked with thousands of parents at this point, and I hear this about 90% of the time. Well, Rachel, I don't have time for that. 
But when, when parents take like, you know, do a session with me, although you can do this on your own, you don't need to pay someone for this. But if you take maybe an hour and you actually come up with some proactive strategies, that hour is going to buy you five, six, seven hours in the week. So, and so much more energy. So this actually saves time and energy. It doesn't take more time and energy. That's a good point. Kind of like what that saying, teach them how to fish and then they can fish on their own. Yes. And you're not having spending each time. So that's a very absolutely, good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. You just figure yeah. out what the proactive strategies need to be. You yeah. you implement them and you will, it takes so much less time. When parents come to me and depleted and exhausted, we actually, I do an accounting with them of how much energy they're currently spending. And then like two or three weeks later, they're like, oh my gosh, it's amazing how much less energy I'm spending. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think just dealing with kids' behavior is what tires us out, like you were saying. What tips do you have that we can use to motivate kids, to listen to us more, to act more responsible? And I think this probably has that teenage years written all over. All years, yes, <laughs> but, yes, but all years. All years, but I get these teenagers, they tend to, I mean, when my kids were younger, they just seem more excited, more motivated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But now, you know, as they get older, more stress are involved and they just it just depletes them. Absolutely. And it's often their behavior or their responses that are depleting us. So one of the things that I, you need to know about teenagers is that, yeah, they're motivated by totally different things. Young kids are motivated more by sort of silliness and excitement and like yeah. connection with their parents. That shifts during adolescence. Yes. There are two things that motivate teens, respect and control, age-appropriate control. So here's what I always suggest if you're having an issue with your teen in some area where they're not they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing is actually sitting down with them proactively because you're doing so much fighting in the moment and it doesn't go well. Sitting down with them proactively and using what I call a joint problem solving strategy. And this is a really, you have to do it in a specific order, especially with teenagers or it's not going to work because they need respect and control. So you always want to connect first, give them some respect and make sure that they feel connected to you. But then let's say the issue is that, in fact, why don't you give me what's an issue with the team that you would want to address? I'll work through with that. I think what I hear consistently a lot with parents is their teens are so stressed out with homework. Mm-hmm. And that we can't undo homework because especially uh, the, the, the high school years, because they get a lot of homework and they can't just not do it. Once they get stressed, they start crying, whatever it is, and then you're dealing with this reactive behavior and then anything you say or do just adds fuel to the fire. You see, yeah, that sounds like all the parents I work with too. And it's so funny how to get them out of that cycle. But the first place to start just very generally is sitting down with the team more proactively and sort of setting a boundary and saying, you know what, we need to figure out this homework stress issue. That's basically the first step. You start when you're in a connected place, you set a boundary. We need to figure this out. The next step is always, I want to hear what this homework stress is like for you. You're, you're getting into your teen's world with them. With teens especially, we do so much talking at them and we try so hard to convince them to see our perspective. Very few people, very few adults take the time to hear what teens' experiences are like. So you ask them what it's like for them and you're gonna get so much information, especially if you have a good relationship and they're opening up to you, about why it's stressful. And then the next step, once you've really heard them without telling them why they're wrong or fixing it yet, Then you say, okay, let's come up with a plan given everything you just told me and the fact that we can't get rid of homework, what's a plan that we can use to help you with the stress? Now, I know from working with teens and parents of teens that often it's about time management or organization, but you're coming up with a plan with them. 
you're giving them respect and you're giving them control. You do not need to come in and fix and solve it and tell them what the plan should be. You need to have your team come up with the plan. And the last piece of this, and this is what parents love the most, is once you've come up with a plan with your teen, it's really your teen's plan, the last piece is to say, okay, what do you want me as your parent to do if you don't follow your plan? So it's ultimately empowering the teen to come up with the quote-unquote consequence so that the parent feels more in control because they already know ahead of time how to handle it, and the teen feels really in control because they were the one that came up with it. So ultimately what that did is it set a boundary with your teen that we need to deal with the stress in a way that was respectful and gave them lots of age-appropriate control. So that's just one example of a strategy that you would use to help improve the behavior proactively, and then you know how to deal with it. And then what do you do when you get that I don't know answer? Like, okay, well, what do you think would help? I don't know. And then... Yeah, you do, because genuinely teens tend not to know. So here's how I respond to that. It's, and it's kind of easy with teens because you can say something like, well, okay, can I put out some solutions? And your your suggestions, they're not going to like. No. <laughs> Generally, they're not going to like. But you use that to your advantage. Okay. And you say, well, here are mine. I would love to hear what yours are. And very often, because I've facilitated this type of conversation hundreds of times, very often when you give solutions they don't like, that motivates them to come up with things that they prefer instead. And teens usually go to one of two extremes. They either give a really, really tough consequence or they go a little bit too lenient. But either way, you can say, okay, let's try that for a week. Whatever your suggestion was, let's try it. We'll check in in a week and see how it's going. Okay. Yeah, because one of my irks is my daughter included and I have lots of friends same school. These kids will sit up till two in the morning to do homework. And I just think that's so damaging to the brain considering they've been up since six you know, maybe even earlier, they have zero period, probably five o'clock in the morning. And my thing is, you go to bed at 11. If you want to wake up at four in the morning to do homework, that's fine, because at least your body got a little recharge. Yes, it's so true. But here's something really important to know about teens is that their executive functioning skills, which is basically their ability to manage their time and organize their stuff and break things into small pieces, their executive functioning skills, yeah, are not on par with the demands that they have on them. So you can say to a teenager, you need to go to bed by 11, or I think you should go to bed by 11. They literally don't know how to manage their time to get in that downtime, which they really do need, and to break assignments into smaller pieces. They don't, most of them, I would say 75 to 80% of them don't have the skills to do that. So it's one thing to say, you, need, you should go to bed earlier. Even if they're like, yeah, I agree with you, they don't have the skills or the tools. And that's a big piece of what's going on. And if we don't proactively address this, it is not going to change. So remember I said there, there are things that cause behavior. This is one of the causes of that behavior. That so the is that when you have to sit down with them and teach them how to break down their homework and time manage then? That's exactly what you would do. It's exactly right. And depending on your relationship, it gets more complicated with teens because some teens are like tuned out and they don't want to hear their parents. And then I would personally take a step back with that family and say, how do we get your your relationship to the point where you then can be someone who has more influence over your teen? So often when families come to me, I, I do have to take a step back and help them build their influence with their teen. Okay. So what can we do to make sure we're still parenting consistently, like we talked about, with our core values, even when we're worn out? Yes. 
And that is the, the case of most of, with most of us is we're worn out and then we're not parenting from our values. We're yelling. We're throwing up these punishments that we don't even want to enforce. Right. So one of the things I do when I first work with parents is I have them set up what I call a parenting avatar, which is basically the idea in their mind of the parent they want to be. And I help them figure out who, you know, how would you want to respond? If everything were going well, how would you want to respond? And I help them become really comfortable with their parenting avatar and have them come up with plans, again, proactively. And I have them fill in this very simple statement. When my child blank, I will blank. So they decide ahead of time how they're going to respond so that when they're busy and exhausted and worn out at the end of the day, they already know how to respond because if they respond, from the energy that they're in in that moment, they regret it. So again, it's putting together a really simple plan ahead of time for how you're going to respond. So in the moment when you're exhausted, you just don't have to think as much. That's okay. a simple a trick for that. So when my child blank, I will blank. Very simple tool. Yep, that's yep. it. When my child blank, I will blank. And then when you decide this ahead of time, especially if you figure out the things that trigger you the most, and in the moment, you just follow through with your plan. You're not doing any thinking. It just takes very little energy. You just follow through. And the more you practice this, it actually starts to become second nature. You also talked about curiosity. Yes. Uh, yes. Curiosity is a big tool, especially, again, with teenagers, because we tend to, when we think about their behavior, we're very judgmental. We say, oh, my gosh, why did they forget their homework again? Or why are they staying up till 2 o'clock again when I just told them last night to go to bed earlier? And we're very judgmental. But if we actually switch our tone from judgment to curiosity, very powerful tool. And instead of saying, why did they do that? We can say, why did they do that with curiosity? And that's where we figure out the reasons for behavior. Well, they did that because they don't have the executive functioning skills yeah. to be able to go to bed earlier and still get their homework done. Yeah. So that's another really great tool. Yeah. Even on time, we have a consistent bed schedule. And somehow, if you don't tell them to go to bed, they just keep going. It's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Because often they're more task oriented. Adults tend to be more time oriented, whereas um, kids and teens tend to be more task oriented. So that's why they may not even know what time it is. They're involved in the task. That's again, the way their brains work. Yeah. So whenever you really, I understand the brain really well. Whenever you understand what's causing behavior, it's so simple to start to change behavior. And I love this, this coming from this curiosity, because curiosity, I feel is a heart word heart center word judgment is the the mental part so you got the right brain left brain and the just the word curiosity makes my like my body tingle because it just feels so yummy it it comes from that love part and I know you and I talked a lot about this off camera off screen that if we can just I think it's first to get connected to our heart 100% yeah the problem is I find that our busyness and our overwhelm almost prevents us from connecting with our own heart. Yeah. And so then we approach our kids from this other place and it creates this vicious cycle. Yeah. But yeah, then like kids it. sense that and it goes downhill and then it overwhelms us more and then we're even less in touch with our hearts. Yeah. So absolutely. I could not agree more with Yeah, because then there's this power struck. I'm right, they're wrong, and then we're all in our head. But then if we just take it down to our heart and just feel and let our heart bleed out the love you you realize there's no right and wrong we're just all here trying to love each other and and help each other grow absolutely and i always say to parents all the time you and your kids should be on the same team not against each other you're the authority on that team but you need to be on the same team a lot of teens when i was a therapist would say things like i know my parents love me 
but they don't really like me unless I'm doing what they want me to do. They like me more when I'm getting good grades and I'm friends with the people they want me to be friends with. But if we're parenting from our heart, our kids believe that we like them and love them no matter what. And a lot of kids are struggling in that area, I will will tell you. I agree with you on that one, definitely. Parents have so much expectation. I mean, coming from an Asian family, I... That, hands down, we are expected to be a certain way, do certain things, and if we're not, we are bad children. Mm-hmm. So you have resource for us. Tell mm-hmm. us about the resource. Yeah, so the resource is just about how to motivate better behavior by using more long-term strategies instead of that band-aid parenting I was talking about. And that's just on my website at rachel-bailey.com forward slash responsible behavior. Okay, so that's Rachel dash Bailey that's spelled B-A-I-L-E-Y dot com so Rachel is spelled R-A-C-H-E-L dash B-A-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash responsible behavior dot com oh no there's no dot com then no it's Rachel dash Bailey dot com forward slash responsible behavior got it okay and so what would they find there so what they'll find is what we traditionally do to, to motivate responsible behavior tends to be more exhausting. And so that resource talks about why it doesn't work and what we can do differently um, so that our kids feel better about themselves and still do what they're supposed to do because they do have to do homework and get out of the house in the morning. So it really gives a different approach to parenting that will save you time and energy and actually improve your relationship with your child. Now you have a podcast. What's it called? It is called Your Parenting Long Game. Again, it talks about how to really motivate responsible behavior, but also improve kids' resilience and their self-esteem by focusing not on the reactive parenting, but on the proactive parenting. And in every episode, I give a really actionable tool that you can use to become more of a long game proactive parent and have more energy. I know you're on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram also under the same name, Rachel Bailey? It's mostly under, yeah, under, um, on Facebook, it's Rachel Bailey Parenting. On Instagram, it's Rachel Bailey Parenting. And then I do have a YouTube channel. And I think if you search for Rachel Bailey Parenting. Okay, so thank you so much for being on the show, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Lots of wonderful tips. I really appreciate that. Absolutely, thank you. Listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. Until next time, have a wonderful week.